Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team welcome to the hot stove going and going goodbye baseball nelson cruz on 710 espn seattle 710 sports.com and the 710 seattle sports app the kings one two swing and a miss he gets them whiffing on a changeup. let's fire up the hot stove and talk some mariners baseball here's your host rick riz from the shores of South Lake Union, welcome to our studios here at 710 ESPN, another edition of Hot Stove Baseball. Hi again, everybody. I'm Rick Riz, along with Shannon Dreyer. Dave Valley joins us uh, this week, along with producer-engineer Kevin Kremen and Matty Harden right here in the studios. Welcome to another edition of Hot Stove, two hours talking baseball. Our guests tonight are going to be Meredith Ketcher, Mike Zunino. What a journey for this kid. We'll find out what it's been like for Mike uh, getting to the big leagues on the early side for a couple of years and last year, starting off at AAA Tacoma, and then coming up and making a difference last year. We're also going to visit with uh, Andy McKay, who's the farm director for the Mariners, and what an influence he has been on this organization down in the minor leagues. All seven clubs, seven teams in the Mariners organization all went to the postseason, two teams, won titles, including uh, the Mariners AA club, in uh, the Southern League, the Jackson Generals. So we're going to have Andy McKay on. We'll have our trivia question in the first hour. We'll have uh, Director of Marketing Kevin Martinez in the second hour. A lot to talk about there because of FanFest. And Shannon and Dave, I want to talk to you about FanFest. And we'll also visit with one of the really good writers uh, covering the game of baseball. Jim Capel from ESPN is going to join us in the second hour of uh, Hot Stove. But Shannon... Dave Valley, welcome. Uh, that was a lot of fun this weekend. Great turnout at Safeco Field. Kids from 8 to 80, and everybody had a super time. What were your thoughts, Shannon, over the two-day weekend with FanFest? Well, it was pretty fantastic to come into the ballpark and really have to fight my way through a crowd to get to where we were doing the Hot Stove League show. I mean, the, the concourses were absolutely yeah. full on Saturday, and as you said, young and old alike, and you know, something for everybody. If you wanted to sit down and listen to a talk or participate in a discussion, you could do that. If you wanted to participate in some skills activities out on the field, you could do that. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to watch a really good radio show, you could do that, too, exactly. if I don't say so myself. So <laughs> it was uh, neat to see everybody out there and just really kind of get the feeling that baseball really is right around the corner. And it was so fun to meet all of the new Mariners. Exactly, Val, especially a couple of the youngsters were there. That's what I get a kick out of seeing Kyle Lewis, who uh, got off to a great start, but unfortunately had the serious knee uh, uh, injury where he had the torn ACL and meniscus, had the surgery, but this kid is coming back. And also see Tyler O'Neill, a young man from Maple Ridge, British Columbia, 
who had a tremendous year at Double A Jackson. He's going to be at Triple A Tacoma this year. What was it like for you to meet these youngsters? Because you've been there. You've done that. Uh, you could give these kids some great advice. You know, just watching them there kind of interacting with FanFest, I thought it was a great idea for the Mariners to bring some of these young players, guys that they really believe will be in the major leagues at some point in time, to kind of give them an exposure to the fans, interacting, and, uh, you know, t- to get them to feel a little bit more comfortable to be at Safeco Field. Because I was thinking, gosh, when I was in A, if I would have gotten an invite, Oh, to come to Seattle for cool a fan fest. They didn't have fan fest back then. But what what an honor that would have been to be, to be around the big league players away from the field, but just to be out there uh, and to see all the, 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 the young talent, to meet some of the new players that have been traded here. Yeah. Uh, it, it would have been a tremendous honor as a young player. But uh, just to, you know, to go along with the whole idea of fan fest, I just think it's an amazing weekend for Seattle fans, yeah. for the players, but to see and listen and talk with all the fans while I was there on Saturday uh, about all the different things that they have going on. You know, some of them we don't get to see, like, all the way out in center field and yeah. the kids hitting balls over the center field wall or the zip line. How about the zip line? That was cool. I, yeah. I guess the line was, like, two two hours long to get on that yeah. thing. Yeah. But people waited very patiently and uh, just to – to see all that stuff going on, it was like a carnival for baseball. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned they let Rizzi right to the front of the zip line, Val. Well, they let the shortest yeah. ones up for first. You know, then he went back. One of those with the little kids. Yes. I was with the second. <laughs> yeah, good, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> you were there with me. But no, that's that's a great. Idea. You you mentioned Double A Chattanooga. You guys had a great ball club. We did. We did. You know, I'll, I'll, let me take you, see if I can remember. So uh, first base was a guy named Alvin Davis, Rookie of the Year. Second base was Danny, Danny Tarnable. Shortstop was, was it Darnell Coles? Darnell Coles. Third base was Jimmy, Jimmy. Presley. Center field was Ivan Calderon. Mm-hmm. And our starting pitcher that year was Mark, Mark Langston. Langston. So we had a ton of guys. Dave Valley. Who became, and I was catching behind the plate. A lot of guys, I think it was like eight guys that ended up becoming everyday Major League Baseball players on one team. Shannon, we went to Chattanooga uh, to play an exhibition game against those guys. And uh, Glenn Abbott was pitching, and Jimmy Presley hit a home run. Now, the Chattanooga ballpark, I spent eight years in the minor leagues and three in that league with Memphis. (laughs) The Chattanooga ballpark, Engels Stadium, is huge. Uh, Way out there in left center field, brick wall. And Jimmy Presley hit one way out to left center field off of Glen Abbott. And that wall was about 40 feet high, too, by the way. Yeah, it was It was really something special. But to see these kids, that's what I like to see. The great stories in spring training, Shannon. Who, are the, in your mind, are going to be the great stories this spring for the youngsters? Well, it's going to be, you know, they're going to get some opportunities because of the WBC and some players being away for some time, so we're going to get to see a little bit more, I think, of them than we normally would. Um, very interested to see both on and off the field Andrew Moore. I, I think that this is somebody yeah. that we're going to see during the season. I think he'll be first or second up um, should they need a starter, a spot starter here or there. And, you know, just talking with him and seeing all the homework that he's done even before getting that kind of exposure and you know, talking with Jamie Moyer as much as he's talked with Jamie Moyer and keeping the journal like Jamie Moyer did. 
Uh, I think his eyes are going to be wide open when he gets into that camp. So it'll be fun to see not only what he can do on the field, and we've heard really good things about that, a very mature pitcher, but also what he does behind the scenes. Tyler O'Neill has been fun to watch the last couple of years. Haven't seen a ton of him, but he's a guy with a lot of personality, and he's kind of a typical young guy. Every now and then he'll go in the wrong direction. He'll turn him around and get him going back the right direction. We certainly saw that last year with what he was able to do with his approach at the plate. And who would have thought that this big, strong, swing-first kid would turn it around so quickly with the help from the Mariners' developmental staff and all of a sudden become a hitter. And all of a sudden we're talking to him, and he's talking about hitting to all fields, not hitting home runs. Home runs will come. He's learned that. But I think those are two very interesting players right there. You mentioned Tyler O'Neill. Just having been in spring training when I was managing the Everett team back in 2014, Tyler O'Neill was there. Big, strong, chiseled young man. Uh, but there was something about when he hit the ball. He, he He's one of those sound. guys, the sound. He hits the ball hard. And, uh, you know, we so clearly saw that with the year that he had last year. So he's going to be one to watch, uh, and he's got a chance to be a special player. Another guy to watch for me, Val and Shannon, is Mike Zunino. Mike, Mike has experience now at the big league level, but to me he's still – a young player because, let's face it, he was rushed to the big leagues, you know, three years ago. And they told him, you're not going to make the club last spring. You're going to go to Tacoma, and we're going to fix a lot of things that you didn't get a chance to work on. What would you tell, being a former catcher and coming through an organization, what would you tell Mike Zunino going into this year, Val? Well, I think, and I'm interested in talking with him because anytime you're playing the game of baseball, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have adversity. Uh, nobody walks through this game and not struggle. I mean, this, this is a very difficult game to play. And for, for Mike to be rushed into the big league setting uh, the way he was, it, it's tough uh, to, to struggle at the plate to, to get to the point when, when you're hitting under 200. And, and I know because I've done it. Uh, you start to think, will I ever get another hit? Like, you know, you, you go up there with yeah. this defeatist mindset, and, and it's a battle every single day to go out there. Mike went through that. He went down to AAA. There's a growth that happens when you get sent back down. There's a different way you start looking at the game of baseball and, and your commitment to the game of baseball when you struggle that way. And, uh, and I started to see that last year. I, I saw the growth in Mike yeah. maturity-wise. I've always loved the way he leads. Uh, I like the way he calls the game. Uh, I like the way he, the effort that he gives. But there's a maturity level that's, yeah. that comes with battling and getting through adversity. This guy's physically strong, mentally strong. I look for Mike Zunino to have a really big year this year. Welcome to Hot Stove Baseball, everybody. And coming up next, we're going to visit with a young man we were just talking about, Mariners starting catcher Mike Zunino, right after this timeout. We're cranking up the hot stove on the home of the Mariners, 710 ESPN Seattle and the 710 Seattle Sports app. The right-handers pitch to Zanino. Swing, barreled up high, mile high, left field. This is gone. Beyond the bullpen, Zanino's 12th of the season has given the Mariners a 2-1 lead in the bottom of the seventh. And the young man who hit that baseball a country mile is our guest here on Hot Stove, Mike Zunino. Mike, uh, how did it feel to hit that thing that far in that game? Oh, it was something else. You know, uh, just any time to be able to do something to help the team is nice, but uh, when you run into one, it always makes it a little bit better. Visiting with Mariner catcher Mike Zunino. Mike, uh, welcome to the show tonight. Uh, 
Can't wait till I uh, see you guys, all you guys at spring training. It's just right around the corner. Tell us a little bit about uh, your off season this year, which what I would imagine is a little bit different than what happened for you last year. How are things going? Yeah, things are going really well. I mean, uh, definitely last year there was uh, a bunch of stuff that uh, I needed to change and make adjustments to, and uh, I, I was able to do that and sort of make some strides during the season last year. And um, this off season has been much more relaxing, but much more focused. I've been able to uh, sort of put my finger on a few things that I really wanted to work on, and, I mean, it's been much more focused in that sense and not feeling like I have to revamp everything. Mike, I think I heard that Edgar came down there and worked with a few of you. Yeah, he had came. Uh, he went down to uh, Fort Lauderdale, so uh, uh, my wife and I drove down there and made a weekend trip. I was able to hit with him a few times, and uh, it's just nice to be able to see Edgar and, and sort of hit with him, you mean about a month or month and a half before the season starts or the spring training starts so we can get on the same page and sort of hit the ground running in spring. What kind of plan did you leave with as far as working with things in the off season, And then what happens when you do meet up with Edgar and he kind of puts eyes on everything? Yeah, I, I definitely found out things that were working for me last year and then stuff that I still needed to fix. So it was definitely uh, even simplifying stuff even more, which was the key, and uh, figuring stuff that I can leave out and uh, stuff that were really important in my swing. And uh, it was just sort of open conversation about that with him. And uh, we seem to be on the same page with it, and I've learned a lot from him. So it's always nice to just sort of bounce ideas off him and get his thoughts on things. Mike, it's Dave Valley. Good to hear your voice, man. I'm glad the winner's going well. I, I want to have you take me through kind of the process uh, the last year and a half or so, going back down to AAA, getting called back up. Just t- tell me a little bit about your thought process and how you might be viewing things a little bit. I- I've gone through this. I went through the same thing, go- getting called up and down a number of times. What were some of the things that you learned that have really made you a, a better player? Yeah, I-, I think the biggest thing was you, you realize, I mean, how special it is to be up in the big league and how big of an honor it is. And I think the the hard work that goes into trying to get back is, something that gives you a little bit more confidence when you get back up to the big leagues. And, um, you know, going back down and, and, and going through that grind and knowing that you put a lot of work in to, to iron some things out and getting up and having more success than what you've had is, is always nice. But uh, my biggest thing was learning about, you mean, still being a good teammate and, and you mean, just continuing to learn the game. There's a lot of talent in AAA. We had great coaches and a great staff down there, and I just continue to learn. And I was able to bring that up to the big leagues and just sort of keep my mind open to everything. Mike, as you know better than anybody, and along with Dave Valley here and everybody else too in this room, uh, a catcher has more on his plate than anybody, I think, at spring training because you can, you got to take care of your own business, you know, hitting the baseball and getting ready for the season. Also handling all these pitchers on the staff. And there's a lot of new faces on this ball club this year. Uh, Giovanni Gariardo comes over from Baltimore and Drew Smiley from Tampa Bay. How long does it take? for you in the early part of a spring to get a chance to get to know these guys and for them to get comfortable with you and on for you on how to handle these guys once uh, a game starts? Yeah, hopefully it doesn't take too long. Um, I've actually been in contact with uh, Jimmy Hartley, our video guy. He's had sent me video over on all of our new pitchers, and I've been watching that. And uh, we're actually getting some uh, more advanced stuff sent in from our our analytic guys, just because I want to be able to hold a conversation with these guys of what they do well, what they're trying to do. So it's not, you mean, two, three weeks wasted of trying to talk to everybody. I sort of have a head start on that. And, uh, I mean, we have experienced guys coming in now, too. So 
they have more of an idea of what they want to do and uh, should be good just being able to talk to them and, and sort of learning them in any way I can. Mike, you mentioned uh, using some of the analytics guys. During the season, uh, how much how much do you take advantage of that as far as getting a game plan prepared for any particular night? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously it changes, I mean, pitcher to pitcher. You know, obviously a guy like Felix is uh, his own animal. He goes out there and just uh, attacks guys and trusts his stuff. But, I mean, when you look at guys like Iwakuma or Paxton, you I mean, these guys spend a lot of time studying and they know what they want to do and, you know, we have advanced reports on what guys are doing well at the time, not doing well, they're hot and cold zones. Um, it's just that extra information so when you're in a tough spot and you really need to make one one good pitch, you can sort of fall back on the stats that, that can give you a little bit more of a backbone instead of just a feel thing. Is that different now, Mike, than it was, say, even two years ago when you go to the analytic guys in the off season? Are you getting different information, and how different is that from what you had in the past? Yeah, I mean, especially with this new staff that we have. I mean, it's it's part of the game, and uh, we're not shying away from it. Obviously, there's there's times where there's too much, but you know, we're we're trying to educate ourselves, and this this staff that we have is great with it. So it's something that we're trying to take full advantage of. I mean, obviously, um, we use it with all aspects. Um, I just had a conversation with uh, Mike Micucci about, I mean, receiving and, and framing analytics, and, and it goes on and on. But we're just trying to use it to better ourselves and sort of just have that extra edge and be prepared when we need to be. Visiting with Baron Catcher Mike Zanino here on Hot Stove. And, and Mike, you, you went down there, you put in the hard work, you earned your way back here, and your first game back uh, here at uh, with the Mariners, you hit that line drive into Edgar's Cantina. Then you hit another home run in that ball game. What did, what did that at-bat tell you about the hard work you put in early in the season down in the minors? Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, I mean, that was the, the nicest uh, comeback you could have done right there. But uh, it just showed that trusting that process and, uh, you mean, just taking it day by day and knowing that that work you put in uh, will pay off. And it just sort of allowed me to sort of keep the foot on the pedal and keep moving forward and continue to work and try to get better because, when you put all that work and you see the results, luckily it was in the first game. Um, it's nice to do that and know that that process is working. Mike, with the rotation that you're going to inherit, you, you, you mentioned some of the new guys that you're getting to know a little bit. What about the guys that are coming back? Uh, Felix Hernandez, we've heard he's uh, changed the workout, and there were some adjustments to be made. He talked about that openly at the end of the season. What are some of the things that you think that he can do, and what are you looking for him uh, kind of in a bounce-back season for him and hopefully a healthy one. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is is his health. I mean, obviously, he's uh, he's the ace of this rotation, and, and if he was 100% or not last year, he wouldn't let anybody know. He wanted to take the ball every fifth day when he could. I think the biggest thing that he learned from last year is that he doesn't need to use a lot of pitches to get guys out. So I'm hoping with this new change in workout and stuff like this, obviously he has that, that strikeout potential whenever he needs it, but – I think he did a good job learning to use pitches and set up guys and get guys out in two or three pitches to really keep his pitch count down and go deep in the ball games. Mike, tell us a little bit about uh, James Paxton. You saw him down in Tacoma last year. Then he comes up. He changes that arm slot. You caught him down in the minor leagues, and then he makes that adjustment. And uh, I tell you what, he was special, especially down the stretch last year. What was it like seeing Paxton early and Paxton later on in the year? I mean, it was incredible. I, I remember the bullpen that he sort of changed his arm slot. Um, I mean, just the life on the ball. Usually he had that downhill plane, but all of a sudden there was a little extra ride to it. it. In the bullpen, it felt like the velo was up. 
And the next game, I forget where we were, but you look at the radar gun, he's, he's in the upper 90s. And it was easy. He was just playing catch. Um, and then with that arm slot, he, the cutter came easier. He's able to spin his breaking ball much better. It's just something that, I mean, he may have been fighting himself a little bit, but finding that new arm slot has him in a comfort zone. And I'm really looking forward to catching him, you mean, with a full year of that arm slot and feeling comfortable. Well, Mike, I can't wait to get to spring training to see you working with all these guys. You're going to have one heck of a year. And, Mike, thanks a lot for joining us tonight here on Hot Stove. We'll see you in a few weeks. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. I'll see you guys soon. All right. Mariner catcher Mike Zunino. This guy was destined to become a Mariner. He went to Mariner High School in Cape Coral, Florida. And he's going to have an outstanding year. Mike Zunino, our first guest tonight. We'll be back with uh, Mariner's farm director. Back in the day, we called him farm directors in the minor leagues. And what a job he did last year for the organization. Andy McKay is going to be our guest here on Hot Stove right after this. St. Fred's Mariner's 10-game flex packs are on sale now. Love this music, Manny. Enjoy the flexibility of picking the games and events you want to see, including Edgar Martinez's number retirement ceremony this August, August the 12th out at Safeco Field. Lock up tickets now to make sure you're there for the memorable night before single-game tickets go on sale. For details, log on to Mariners.com slash flex. Man, that's going to be a huge night. August the 12th, when the Mariners retire, Edgar Martinez's number 11 to go alongside Junior's number 24, and Jackie Robinson's, of course, is number 42. Again, welcome back to Hot Stove 2017. We're going to go down to the farm. We're going to visit with Farm Director, Delert, Director of Player Personnel, Andy McKay, who did a tremendous job with this organization, seven minor league teams going to the postseason, two winning titles. Andy, welcome to the show tonight. You ready to get down to spring training and get ready. back to work? I am ready. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, it's nice to have you here, buddy. First of all, let's let's talk about the success of the organization. How in the world, you know, you, t- you talked about controlling the zone and, and you worked with the coaches and the managers, obviously, down in the minor leagues, but how in the world does an organization have all seven of their clubs get to the postseason? Well, you know, I'm going to um, kind of blow my cover here. I mean, there's an element of luck to that. Um, you know, it's not something that obviously that you can sustain year in and year out. But, um, you know, we did a really good job last year of, of, of sticking to our message and, um, you know, really maintaining what we were trying to do throughout the entire course of the season. And, you know, every club had some ups, every club had some downs, and, um you know, they all battle through, and, um, you know, I think it's just kind of one of those magical years where everything lines up, and I do think our, our system will sustain a, a level of success um, every year, um, you know, but the idea of, of having every team get in every year is uh, probably not very realistic. Andy, I think we talked mid-season, and obviously you can only do so much in one year. You said it would be a few years process in, in setting the absolute foundation and the systems. If year one was kind of setting that foundation, what's year two? Well, you continue to work on your process, and you try to simplify it as much as possible. And, you know, you're trying to take a an enormous amount of information that's available to us and also available to the players and you're trying to organize it into the most simplistic form you can. You're trying to eliminate uh, any of the information that's not absolutely critical uh, for that player's success. And, you know, that's that's not easy to do. It takes a lot of work to individualize a program for, you know, approximately 200 players. So, um, you know, the idea of just simplifying things as, as much as possible. And, you know, when, when you play the game, uh, games 
uh, you know, seasons usually come down to a few games and, and games usually come down to a couple of pitches. And I think when you look at a baseball game, there's that, there's that moment of truth where, you know, in that two or three seconds before the pitch is about to be thrown, you know, it kind of comes down to what, what is going on in that player's mind at that moment in time. And, you know, we talk about there's, there's three things that really matter. There's three things that are going to determine who wins that pitch. And, you know, number one is the player properly trained. Um, and that's all the work that you're putting in, you know, starting at one o'clock and two o'clock in the afternoon that you're, you're really training the player for uh, the task at hand. And number two, mentally is that player able to slow the game down and, and get out of his own way and let the training take over and do the work for him, um, which is hard to do. Uh, it takes a lot of work. And, and number three, is this player motivated uh, to help his team or is he trying to help himself? So our teaching really gets narrowed down to those three things, you know, training them physically, training their mind and, you know, spirit, um, you know, training them to put the team first. You know, Andy, you mentioned that. And I remember back early, um, it may have even been before you hit the field with the team, you mentioned that second before the pitch or those couple of seconds. I would imagine that physically the step one and then the step three, that the team player, which we heard quite a bit about that, those are things that uh, perhaps you're further along with and maybe the harder thing is slowing things down. Is that for yourself requires character and our scouting department has done a tremendous job of, of bringing in high character people um, and our coaching staff, um, you know, our leadership group. Um, when you have guys like Alvin Davis walking around, you have guys like Dan Wilson walking around. Um, it really drives home that message of, of team first. And, um, and you're exactly right. Um, slowing the game down you know, and, and turning off your mind so that you can go from a, a thinking person to a reacting person and, and doing that every 15 seconds. Um, that is the challenge. And um, I feel really good about where where our coaches are at this point in time. And, um, you know, coming out of our summits where, you know, I, I felt like one of my key jobs was to get our, our coaches to look at the game through a, a slightly different lens, which was the lens of the mental game and that, um you know, the body always follows the mind, and if we're training the body without the mind, we're just we're really kind of spinning our wheels here. So that idea of, of the mental training, and, and I think we've equipped our coaches with some tools to help um, the, the mental skills group that we've brought in, um, kind of a, a three-headed monster. Um, I'm really excited about that, and I think that our, our, our group overall is really starting to understand that this game is 100% mental, therefore our coaching has to be uh, geared towards that. Andy, today, Valley, uh, congratulations on a great year. Um, Thanks, Dave. First time I heard your name mentioned was when you got hired, and uh, I had a chance to talk to Dan O'Dowd, uh, who, works, who I work with over at the MLB Network, and he had nothing but some amazing things to say about you. Um, so, again, congratulations on this year. You mentioned coaches. Uh, I know everyone talks about the, the farm system being about developing players. I, I read an article that uh, you were quoted in there talking about the development of the coaches, those, those people who are pouring into those young men that you guys have drafted. Tell me about some of the, the pillars that you want to 
kind of apply to the coaches and how they go about teaching the game of baseball? Yeah, and that's a great question, and that's really um, kind of the heart of my job is, um, you know, to some extent coaching coaches and, um, you know, kind of creating the curriculum that you're going that they're going to be, uh, you know, delivering to the players. And, um, you know, I think probably first and foremost is getting them to understand their teachers. Um, and, you know, the player is a student, you're the teacher, and we know what the test is. The test is coming every night at 7 o'clock, and we know the things that are going to come up. And um, we spent a lot of time last year, and, and, and a thing that I really believe in that, that's, that's difficult, when you look at professional baseball, there are no practice days. Practices, whatever you're able to, to do before a game, and, um, and, and it's a long season. So, you know, getting your team out there every day at 1 o'clock and putting them through a, a rigorous practice just is not realistic um, because we all know how difficult the game gets to be in, you know, July and August. But, um, you know, I have a firm belief that practice has to be game speed. Um, and you've been around the game enough, you've played it, you've seen it, you've watched it, and you just look at how much of the practice time in baseball is spent um, well below game speed. And for me, um, it's very ineffective. Um, now, again, the practice at a, at a higher tempo is a lot easier to do in football where you have six days off between games and in the NBA where you have real practice days. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm almost finished George Carl's book, um, um, who you know, obviously coached basketball in Seattle and, you know, his practices were known as just, you know, being nightmares for the players, how hard they were. And, um, so we've made a real effort to, to in, increase the speed of our practice time. And you, you saw that a lot in spring training last year where the pitching machines were out and our players were hitting velocity. Our players were hitting real breaking balls. Um, the ground balls were being taken with stopwatches. Um, you know, when our when our pitchers were doing a PFP, there was a stopwatch out in there. They had to get the ball to first base in 4.1 seconds or, or faster. So I think probably the biggest thing that we've that we've kind of brought into the system in the last year is the idea of speeding up the practice um, and making it more game like, and getting kids to understand that. You know, if you're going to hit on a batting tee, which there is benefit to, to doing that, um, you know, I, I'm not the, – the benefit is, is getting your body loose and feeling your body and how it swings and, and how it's moving, but I'm not sure it really prepares you to hit a 93-mile-an-hour sinker. So um, I would say that's probably the number one concept that we've brought forth. Visiting with Mariners Farm Director Andy McKay. Andy, we're going to keep you for another segment. Hopefully that's okay because we've got so much ground to cover as we get ready for spring training. Visiting with Andy, we'll be back with more here on Hot Stove. And again, welcome back to Hot Stove 2017. Rick Riz along with Shannon Dreyer, Dave Valley, Producer Engineer Kevin Kremen, and Manny Harden. Visiting with Mariners Farm Director Andy McKay. Andy, uh, I want to talk to you. You've been reading the book on George Carl, but uh, as far as the book on the mental side of the game, that was written by Harvey Dorfman. Harvey uh, really had an influence on so many people. Uh, I'm sure you read that book. What did you What did you take from that? And tell us a little bit about Harvey Dorfman. Well, you know, Harvey, um, you know, I, I would say it have to be the the godfather of of the mental side of baseball and. You know, is 
the sports psychology world was, um, you know, it really started uh, in the European nations and it was really driven by Olympic committees um, and slowly started making its way um, into other sports. And it's still in a very, um, you know, um, beginning of where it'll be at some point. But, um, you know, Harvey should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, he really brought it to baseball, um, you know, starting in the 80s and, um, you know, kind of got his start with, with uh, Tony La Russa in Oakland, um, you know, back in the day. And, you know, he wasn't uh, was not a psychologist. Uh, he was a uh, high school English teacher and uh, girls basketball coach. Um, and his, his teachings were all um, things that he had he'd kind of taught himself and that he had read and kind of put forth. But, um, you know, he, he kind of wrote the first book, The Mental ABCs of uh, Baseball, um, which came out in the late 80s, um, was kind of your first textbook of, of, um, of, of how to think about the game and, and the role that your mind plays um, in how you actually compete. Um, and it was, you know, for people who read it, it was just kind of like, um, you know, it was kind of like that first Pearl Jam record that came out. It just blew your mind. It was something that sounded so different. It, was, it wasn't talking about your hands and your feet and, and how to field a ground ball. It was talking about um, where your attention needs to be at certain moments and, and um, how to recognize when you're losing focus and how to get it back and, and so forth. So, uh, I mean, the number of, of just big name clients, Hall of Fame people that, he, that he's worked with is, is endless. Um, you know, but it really comes down to um, are, you, are you focusing your attention on the right thing? So, you know, if you're a pitcher on the mound, you know, your, your mind has an endless number of, of things that it can choose to focus on. You know, it can focus on hearing the ball hit the catcher's glove in the bullpen because you know someone's getting loose. Uh, it can focus on that runner on third base. It can focus on, um, you know, the pitching coach in the dugout talking to the manager and wondering what he's talking about. It can focus on the last pitch that the umpire called a ball. It can be focused on the on-deck hitter that you don't want to face. But the reality is the only thing that it should be focused on that can help you in that situation is the target and executing the next pitch. And, you know, so it, it can get very zen-like. You know, it's it's about letting go of the past and forgetting about the future and just being in the moment. And in, in baseball, the moment is, is this pitch. So, you know, that was kind of the foundation. And I think anybody who's worked in the mental game since then um, has absolutely been influenced by Harvey even uh, – um, as he's no longer with us as he's passed away. Andy, you mentioned the addition of three new mental skills coaches to the organization. What does that look like? What is Who are they? What are their jobs entail? What happens when they come into uh, one of the minor league affiliates? Yeah, well, uh, kind of a three-headed group. Uh, Darren McMains will head it up, and um, he's our peak performance coordinator. He will work um, primarily with uh, Scott in Seattle. Uh, with a 25-man roster, and we'll also get into Tacoma um, as well. Um, Darren uh, played at the AAA with the Giants, um, had an injury. The Giants took him off the field and made him a coach, managed for a few years in the minor leagues, and then the Giants uh, sent him to school um, to get a, a master's degree in sports psychology and to start their uh, sports psych program with the Giants. So he was there for many years. He has three World Series rings. 
uh, with the Giants, and then um, he left the Giants to take over, basically to, to create a uh, mental conditioning program at the University of Notre Dame. Um, so he will be in charge of, of our program, and um, like I said, we'll be working primarily with Scott um, and the big league staff and uh, the major league team. Uh, Jimmy Van Ostren and David Franco will uh, work in the minor leagues. Uh, Jimmy um, was also another professional player, played at the AAA, uh, played in the Futures game, played in the Olympics with Team Canada. Um, kind of highlighted, had a home run off Clayton Kershaw in the Futures game. Um, and, uh, and then with coaching college baseball, he was on staff at the University of Arizona last year where they finished uh, second in the College World Series. And um, then we hired him after that. And then David Franco, who has run a, a private baseball, uh, kind of a consulting business in Nashville where he's worked um, with a lot of players at every level from high school to college to minor league to, to the big leagues. Um, David's also bilingual and will um, obviously be uh, kind of spearheading our program in the Dominican. So those three guys together um, – I couldn't be happier with. They've all played the game, they've all coached the game, and they all have training um, in the mental game. And um, you know, with my background, um, it was hard um, to find people um, because I was looking for people who did kind of think the way I thought. Um, and I couldn't be happier with the guys that we came up with and um, the program that they're going to be able to put together for all of our players from Boca Chica all the way to Seattle. A lot of talented people helping out the kids throughout the organization. Andy, this reminder that uh, for all you fans out there, fans can submit your own questions for our guests each week. Just follow the at Mariners on Twitter to learn more. And here's the question for you, Andy. It's from at more Blue Sox, and uh, they ask, with clubhouse and team chemistry being bandied around as intangibles, what are the most important factors that contribute to teams on and off the field performance? Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's the, uh, you know, the $10 million question. And uh, I think we're getting better at it. I mean, as an industry, it's just, um, you know, we've come so far in the last, uh, you know, 20 years. And um, and it, it, certainly in Seattle, you've got um, maybe the best, uh, you know, across the street with Pete Carroll. And, you know, not only what he did in, in uh, at USC, but what he's brought to the Seahawks. But, you know, that you can't answer that question with a specific of you know here's the three steps that make the clubhouse good um you know in the last three or four years um when harbaugh uh, was in san francisco and they were really good and they were playing the the seahawks in those playoff games and um you know you'd see this complete polar opposites on opposite sides of the field and, you know, you'd see Pete over on the Seahawks side, always smiling, never stressed, yeah. hugging on his players. And then you'd see Jim on the other side just breathing fire and, you know, breaking clipboards and throwing headsets. And they both do an unbelievable job at creating culture and, and molding behavior. And it really comes down to the leader. And when the leader can put forth um, kind of an authentic program that um, – and that's really true to his values and what he believes in. Um, and he's able to um, articulate it in a way that other people can grasp onto it. It, it has to be real. Um, and, and the players have to sense that 
you know, what this leader is talking about, um, you know, he really believes. So there's so many different ways to do it. And if you just look through sports, uh, you know, um, what Belichick has been able to do and um, the way Joe Torre did it with the Yankees or Krzyzewski with Duke, uh, you know, Krzyzewski is, is, again, totally different than Roy Williams in North Carolina. Um, it just really comes down to being true to yourself and being authentic and, uh, you know, being vulnerable and letting your, your uh, the people following you see who you really are. Um, and I know that's probably not as specific as an answer as, as we're looking for, but that's the reality of it. You just can't, you can't put it on a piece of paper and, and transfer it around because it's unique to, to every leader and every uh, clubhouse. Yeah, everybody has their own personality and how to get it done. Well, Andy, last year you got it done, buddy. And I can't wait yeah. till uh, spring training this year because I think it's going to be a special year here in Seattle. Thanks to what you've done down there in the minor leagues, these kids are going to really help out. And they did last year. So, Andy, thanks so much for being our guest tonight. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. You're welcome. Mariners, you. You're welcome. And Mariners Farm Director Andy McKay will be back with more. We'll start to wind down the uh, first hour of uh, Hot Stove. We'll also have our 40th anniversary trivia question coming up right after this timeout. Winding down the first hour here on Hot Stove 2017. Rick Ray, Shannon Dreher, Dave Valley, producer engineer Kevin Fremen, and Maddie Harden. Great visiting with uh, Andy McKay, Mariners Farm Director. Great job last year. Looking forward to getting down to spring training. Shannon, we didn't even ask about get time to ask about any particular players like DJ Peterson and Kyle Lewis and, and Tyler O'Neill and even the progress of uh, Mike Zunino and uh, James Paxton last year. But uh, they had that philosophy that they started with the coaching staff and the managers and, it uh, and of course, the players. Uh, and it really paid off last year. I think the greatest thing to see is a system, established system, and just uh, how it just carries from level to level to level. There's a language. There are expectations. And, I think the best thing that we saw, and I think it's one of the reasons why you saw all of the teams in the playoffs, is they learned to play together as a team and to put the team above themselves. We talked about the PTPAs, the productive team played appearances. That, I think, is very much ingrained in these players. And it'll be interesting to see what happens in a few years when you see these young players, perhaps not the names, mm-hmm. the, not the big names, the Tyler O'Neills and, and whatnot, but you know, other players that are going to come up and contribute. It'll be interesting to see if you can look at that and say, yep, that's a Mariner player. That player came up right. through the Mariner's system. Through the Mariner's way. Uh, real quick, Val, uh, you had some pretty good farm directors when you came up as a kid with the Mariners. Yeah, I did. In uh, 1978, when I signed with the Mariners, uh, the first farm director that I got to know was a guy named Mel Didier. And uh, I still remember some of the things that Mel shared with us. I was only 17 years old. I was up in Bellingham, Washington, and I remember the first time he addressed the team. And uh, a few things that I learned then that have stuck with me the rest of my life. Like the first line was, he said, son, if you're five minutes early, you're late. So don't ever be late. So from that time on, I mean, my kids have heard that line over and over. But uh, the other one was if he said, son, if you ever have a problem, we're going to go eyeball to eyeball and belly button to belly button. (laughs) And we're going to stay right there until we get to the bottom of this thing. It was just about facing issues and dealing with them, uh, but just a classy southern gentleman uh, and a great baseball man. And a heck of a scout uh, and for the Dodgers in the 1988 World Series for Kirk Gibson. All right, time now for our 40th anniversary trivia question tonight. Uh, in 2015, Nelson Cruz belted 44 home runs, tying the club record by a right-handed hitter. Whose record did he tie? The winner receives a Mariners team icon stake a street hoodie, official on-field sweatshirt for the 2017 season. Wear what the players wear. Call toll-free right now, 206 206- 
421-3776 or 866-979-3776. Nelly Cruz, 44 home runs in 2015. Whose record did he tie? Back with the second hour after this. This is the home of the Seahawks. Intercepted Richard Sherman. And the pump of Seattle sports. 710 KIRO AM Seattle. Bob, Graz, and Tom. Weekdays, noon to 3. NFC West looking a little different next year. Specifically, Graz, your San Francisco 49. How about the Niners? What if Lynch is a brilliant football mind? Not a chance. And he can evaluate talent like nobody's ever seen before. Matt Millen all over again, baby. This is not going to work. Six-year commitment to this man. So immediately it has to make you think of Matt Milne. Of course. He's the only other guy. He's, he's the other guy who got the job in the same circumstances. Bob, Graz, and Tom. Weekdays noon to 3 on 710 ESPN Seattle. This station, the one you're listening to right now, with the next radio app, you can take it with you wherever you go. So you know that time you walked away from your radio to go out to lunch with all your friends and missed that thing on the radio everyone was talking about the next day? If you've got the next radio app, it doesn't ever have to happen. That's not streaming. It's over-the-air radio on your phone. It takes way less battery and almost no data and brings you this radio station free the way nature intended. Download the Next Radio app from the Google Play Store and keep this station with you. Next Radio, live and local, wherever you go. Hi, I'm Brian from 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Excellent. Follow me. Here, grab the other end. But, sir, we're a full-service junk removal company. I'm not sure what that means. Would you point at it for me? Sure, that's it, right... Wow. All you have to do is point. Can you empty my storage room at work? Call 1-800-GOT-JUNK and we'll meet you there. We're here to make you happy. Call 1-800-GOT-JUNK or visit 1-800-GOT-JUNK.com. There are thousands of individuals with disabilities in our community who need a variety of different kinds of supports in order to really be able to live life the way they want to live it. And for the last 75 years, Seattle-based ProVail has been doing just that. Essentially what we do is help children and adults with disabilities figure out how they want to live their life in the community, and then we provide them with the support services to make that happen. That's everything from job training and placement to assistive technology ranging from powered wheelchairs to speech computers. Find the right technology and you begin to unlock doors and create opportunities for them to communicate in ways that their family members and the people around them never thought was possible. We we see it happen all the time. That's why Bonneville, Seattle, the Seattle Seahawks, and Carter Subaru are proud to honor ProVail as our charity of the month. At ProVail, we believe that every person has a right to pursue the life they choose to live, regardless of what their disabilities might be. But they can't do it without our help. Learn what we can do at ProVail.org or MyNorthwest.com. Welcome to the hot stove. Going and going. Goodbye, baseball. Nelson Cruz. On 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. The Kings 1-2 swing and a miss. He gets them with me on a changeup. Let's fire up the hot stove and talk some Mariners baseball. Here's your host, Rick Riz. And we're getting fired up for the 2017 season. More hot stove coming your way. This reminder, add more excitement to your group outing at the ballpark with a hospitality package. Choose from one of the hospitality areas, each with its own great view of the field, plus customize your food and beverage package with a buffet, private bartender, and more. To see the many options available to you this season at Safeco Field, visit Mariners.com slash groups. We sold a lot of season tickets over the weekend at uh, FanFest at uh, Safeco Field. Okay, time for the answer for our trivia question. Here was the question in 2015. 2015, Nelson Cruz belted 44 home runs, tying the club record by a right-handed hitter. Whose record 
Did he tie for the answer? Let's go to the Audio Vault, Matty. Pitch on the way, swinging a drive deep to left field. We have liftoff. Goodbye, baseball. Upper deck in left field. Down the line. Jay Buhner reaches the upper deck in left field here with the Kingdom. A mammoth two-run shot. And the Mariners take a 2 nothing lead. Announcer got excited. Who was that guy? Who was that guy? Wow, he, he crushed that ball. Hey, let me tell you something. Going in the upper deck in the left field That's a was a bomb. Yeah. You had the brown sticks, but they were they were yeah. pushed very far back compared to right field. Yeah. Not to take anything away from Junior going in the upper deck, but yeah. going in the upper deck in the left field was a long, long way. And he did it. The one and only Jay Buhner, the bone, hit a total of 44 home runs back in 1996. One of a club record 245, but that was bested the next year. Uh, 1997, as the club hit 264, and that to, did, to this day is still a major league record for home runs by a club in a single season. So the winner of the Mariners Authentic Collection Team Icon Streak hoodie is Jen Heward from Seattle. Congratulations, Jen. And wear what the players wear. Jen Heward from Seattle gets the uh, the hoodie. So thank you so much. Rick Riz along with Shannon Dreyer and Dave Valley, Kevin Krem and Maddie. Uh, Harden as well. What a night out talking about baseball. And uh, coming up next in uh, the second hour here, we're going to visit with Kevin Martinez. And we're going to have a lot to talk about, a lot going on this year. The, the, the PR staff, the promotions department, the marketing department, I tell you what, these guys do an incredible job, led by uh, Kevin Martinez. And, Shannon, I can't wait for that weekend in August when the Mariners retire Edgar's number on August the 12th. Oh, it is so deserved, and it's great to see it happen now. And I think that that's something we've seen kind of the build up for, and he's getting closer and closer to the Hall of Fame. I think this is something that helps. But it's also, I mean, Junior's been a little bit lonely out there the last couple of months, and (laughs) and to see Edgar out there with him and the appreciation that Edgar has for that, I think it's just fantastic. Yeah, great ceremony for Junior last year. Val, you played with a man, Edgar Martinez, you watched him every day, and that's why I get sideways with writers who say, ah, he was a DH. I saw the man, like you, put on a uniform every day and play. He was the best, one of the greatest hitters I've ever seen in the game of baseball. We can go on and on and on. But you played with the guy. What made him so great? There was there were so many things about Edgar, and I saw him develop from we, we were teammates in the minor leagues, and I saw him coming up, getting smarter, getting stronger. It seemed like every year he just got better and better, and he was relentless in pursuing greatness. I think watching him day in and day out, the routines that he put himself through, uh, you know, and great, all great players have routines. I think if you looked at any great player, you know, we've heard about Wade Boggs and his timing, you know, at 717 he would do this, and yeah. he'd eat chicken every day. But watching Edgar – go through his routine, and I don't know if a lot of folks know this because, you know, he's had some eye issues. He would, he right. would do eye training, strengthen right. the eye because the eye is a muscle, yeah. and he would have to strengthen his – do the eye training to Looking continue to card. work out his eyes. Yeah. And he had the string with, with the balls on it that you have to focus, then focus a little bit further, then focus a little bit further and kind of go back and forth because he had kind of a lazy eye. Yeah. But all of those things that he was able to overcome and still go out there and – 
put up the numbers that he did. The argument of a DH not being worthy of the Hall of Fame is absolutely ridiculous, ludicrous. It is a yeah. position on a yeah. major league baseball field. Paul Molitor, I, I don't know what the split one was. One third for Molitor. A third, one of half for Frank Thomas. You know, so so forget about all that. Yeah. Forget the DH. You don't even bring that to to the arguing table. Yeah. Let's look at his numbers. Edgar Martinez slash line for his 18 year career was over 300, over 400, and over 500. So batting average, on-base percentage at 400, slugging percentage over 500. He's one of only 21 players in the history of baseball to have a slash line of, 30, um, of 300, 400, and 500. That simple argument alone, that's only 21 guys who have ever done it, that means he, he belongs there. The other 20, though, are in the Hall of Fame. That's right. So, I mean, I mean just that one statistical analysis and that's a very brief one it's a very broad one but uh, this is a guy that won two batting titles from the right hand side and if I'm not mistaken I'm sure there's someone out there that'll tell me I'm wrong but when he won his second batting title I think he was the first right-handed hitter in like half a century to win two batting titles in his career because everybody was left everybody was, yeah right start, through yeah you start thinking all about guys. all those Wade Boggs things. yes uh, yeah. and to watch quick. him do it every day uh, you know I had my best year when Edgar was hurt in 1993 Edgar, remember, he tore his yeah, uh, hamstring. his hamstring, so he was sitting on the bench, and he would he became my hitting coach every day. Okay, Poppy, this is tell me about this guy. What should I be looking for? Yeah. Okay, so this is how he's going to try to get you out, Val. Okay, so he, if he falls behind, if he gets ahead, uh, and then actually him and, and then Mike Blower saw me doing it, so yeah. he comes sit down yeah. next to him too. Hey, Edgar, it's like <laughs> hey, there's, there's too much of a wealth of information and knowledge, and, and I think we've seen that being passed on to the players since Edgar has gotten here. You know, the, the yeah. offensive numbers for this ball club, almost to the day he showed up, yeah, things Spike. have just turned around. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he has so much to offer the players, so much to offer the team. And uh, should he be in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. 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 And I can't on, wait to him. fly to Cooperstown again and enjoy watching Edgar take that stage one of the neat things coming back from juniors hall of fame induction in uh, cooperstown this year kevin and i and rick griffin and edgar were coming back we were delayed for about what five hours kevin in philadelphia we sat next to edgar martinez at a, at a stand there and beverage stand and just just visited you know it was it was great i go man we're stuck here with edgar martinez how cool is that can i share a story sure. about edgar martinez and rick Reyes? please do we, do we have a little bit of time Sure. So, so do you remember? Uh, it was it was in Anaheim, right? Post game, we're we're all at the hotel. At the end of the year. At the very end of the year, and uh, Brett Boone is starting to get on Rick, just kind of you know give him like he did every day, just every week. Oh, you're just needling you, all fun. You know? Yeah. And and Rick Riz is sitting there just kind of laughing, and uh, Edgar sitting across the table, and he you know very slowly, and you know he says, "Hey, Booney," he goes, "You know," he goes, "You should be easy on Rick." He's had a better year than you. <laughs> True story. I said, it's 2004. It was it's his the, last year. It was the first time Booney yeah. was speechless. speechless. He didn't know what to say. He was just like yeah. dumbfounded. I go, Poppy, don't leave me. I got him for another few more years. Don't leave me, man. He, but he's smoking a cigar. You brought these wonderful cigars. And he takes a draw on the cigar. He goes, hey, Booney, don't get on Rick. <laughs> He's had a better year than you did. You know, and I go, oh, my gosh. I love the man. And uh, put him in the Hall of Fame for crying out loud. We're going to be back with uh, a Hall of Fame marketing guy, Kevin Martinez of the Seattle Mariners. We'll be back.
with Kevin after this. Welcome back to Hot Stove 2017. Rick Ridge, Shannon Dreyer, and Dave Valley. And we have a chance right now to visit with uh, a gentleman who does such a great job in the Mariners' front office as our director of marketing. He is the Mariners' version of Bill Vec. He makes it fun to come out to the ballpark. So many things to do, and uh, he makes it such an enjoyable experience year after year after year. FanFest was a tremendous success. Kevin Martinez, welcome to Hot Stove tonight, buddy. How you doing? Doing great, Rick. How are you? I'm doing fine. Tell us uh, your thoughts about FanFest over the weekend on Saturday and Sunday. It looked like we had some great crowds. Was that an all-time high, or it's got to be close to it? How much fun was that yeah, for the fans? It was, uh, it was close. It wasn't an all-time high. It was our second-best attendance. And you know, the thing about FanFest that's so great is the access that every fan gets to our great game, um, you know, to get down on the field, to get down on a major league field, to run the bases, hit a ball over the wall, play catch, uh, with a family member or friend out in the outfield. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty special um, experience and memory. And then the access to the guys and, and you guys, you, know, you and Val and uh, Aaron and, uh, you know, Dave Sims, all the broadcasters to be up close during those dugout dialogue sessions. It's, uh, yeah, it, it is. It's a, it's a really fun uh, baseball party all weekend long at Safeco Field, and we look forward to it every year. Kevin, a lot of planning goes into uh, you guys uh, really don't have any downtime. So much goes into what's coming up for the upcoming year, and this just seems to be a ridiculously like an embarrassment of riches when it comes to promotions and celebrations at the ballpark coming up in 17. Yeah, no question. I mean, it's our it's our 40th anniversary, uh, and we'll be celebrating it all season long. Um, you know, you, you saw at FanFest the, the guys on the jerseys. They had the 40th anniversary patch. Um, the baseballs that will be used at Safeco Field will be extra special. They'll have that 40th anniversary logo on them. So every foul ball will be a little bit more collectible this season. Um, there'll be other, other things to celebrate the 40th anniversary in terms of visuals uh, throughout the ballpark. And then the players uh, will be welcoming back uh, many of the players, starting with the guys from the very first team in 1977 uh, through the years. And I think you'll, you'll see – um, you know, so many familiar faces, which will elicit so many different moments and memories and Mariners history um, and just a celebration of uh, baseball here in Seattle for the last 40 years. Um, that That's going to make this um, season even that much more memorable. And, yeah, the events, there's there's all kinds of special giveaways. If people haven't checked out the, the giveaways this year, um, it's it's a tremendous lineup. And uh, we encourage you to go to Mariners.com and, and check out those, those various giveaways. And I heard you earlier talking about Edgar Martinez weekend. And, you know, when the vote came out from the Hall of Fame and Edgar received close to 59% and John Stanton and Kevin Mather met with the, the board, the directors, and they decided to um, say, hey, we're going to retire Edgar's number. Uh, we, we went into action really quick. Um, and we're still working on all the details of that weekend. But August 11th, 12th, and 13th is going to be Edgar Martinez weekend. And certainly the the highlight of uh, the, 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 the summer, uh, at least from my perspective, that's going to be such a, a magical weekend. And it couldn't happen to a more deserving man, but uh, not, not to a better guy either, as all you know. He is uh, just a gem of a man, and uh, it's going to be – Really, um, 
one of those weekends. Junior's weekend was terrific, and it'll be right on par with it. Um, so we're really excited to have the opportunity to put that uh, special weekend together. Kev, you guys do such an amazing job. Fan Fest, it seems like every year there's something different. There's something new for the fans to enjoy, uh, to bring them a little bit closer to the game. I'm just kind of curious. You know, you've been doing this for quite a while. What What is, the, like, the most fun part of your job? I mean, because you're bringing so much joy and happiness to, to the fans as, as they experience Safeco Field in the game of baseball. What, what's uh, What's been the most fun thing for you? Well, you know, it's it, it's that's a that's a great question. It's a really a difficult one to answer because, um, and and it sounds maybe a, a little too idealistic, but I truly believe it. As somebody who grew up uh, loving the game of baseball, and it was really I grew up with uh, two older brothers, and it was the way the three of us interacted with my dad. Baseball was the, was at the centerpiece of our family, and there was. The last thing in my mind was that I would have an opportunity to work for a major league baseball team. And growing up east, I had to come all the way to Seattle for the opportunity. But it was one that uh, as soon as I walked in that office the first day and walked into the kingdom, which was a whole weird experience for somebody who was used to outdoor baseball, it it just felt right, Val. It was something that I knew it was never going to feel like work and how can we bring fans or people closer to our game? I have such a love for the game of baseball and just try to share that enthusiasm and, and, and come up with different ways to connect people um, to the game of baseball. And I truly believe it's through the players. I've always felt that. I've always felt that connection um, for, as a, from a fan's perspective is through the players. And that's why we promote all of our players so aggressively. And we have for the last, Oh gosh, even before I got here, but it's a mariner way, but you know, for probably close to 40 years, that's been the emphasis. And when you have great guys like Ken Griffey Jr. and Edgar Martinez and Dave Valley and Jay Buhner and Dan Wilson, it just, it makes it that much easier. And now with this group of guys, <laughs> Felix Hernandez, it doesn't get any better than him. And right. Robbie Cano has been a treat yeah. to get to know. And that's our job. Our job is to bring fans to closer to our game and, we try to get as creative as we can, and we're blessed to have guys who uh, appreciate it and get it and, and work with us. And uh, I think what we do um, is pretty special out here. And, it, and you said you can see that uh, in the enthusiasm we saw this weekend at Safeco Field. Well, Kim, on behalf of all the former players and alumni of the Seattle Mariners, I want to thank you for making all those guys, the, the older players, the guys that uh, the former players feel like such a part of this organization. Yeah, it's 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 something we need to do, and we've got a history now. And uh, you know, the Mariners are still a relatively young organization, but we've got a lot of history and a lot of memories, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna continue to do that. And I think you're gonna see that on display uh, this season throughout. So Val, warm up your right arm because you're gonna be throwing <laughs> out a first pitch before a game this year, right. man. And uh, you know, you know, we. There, there might be a little side wagering in the, in, the, in the back hallways whether you throw a strike or not. So. It, it might be a submarine pitch by this <laughs> at this point in my life. It'll get there, I know that. Absolutely. Listen with Kevin Martinez. Kevin, you do such a great job, and you mentioned a lot, you know, the giveaways at the ballpark. There's They're always a lot of fun, but there's always unique events, too, like Bark in the Park and, you know, things like that. But Kings Court, is there an organization in baseball that does a better job uh, you know, featuring one of their players and having a love fest like that between the fans and a player every time he takes the mound than than King's Court when Felix Hernandez yeah, gets Yeah, you know, and that and, and and I've said it before to people, and it's really 
it's because of who Felix Hernandez is, not just as a pitcher, but his enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, and the fans have such a connection with Felix, and you can see that every night, even before the Kings court, um, Felix would always acknowledge the fans. And then when the Kings court came to be and the energy and the creativity of the outfits and signs from the fans, and, you know, Felix, whenever he was done with his seven, eight innings or eight-plus innings, walking off the mound and pointing to the Kings court, um, there's, that, that's, that's what it's all about. And, uh, yeah, that, that's a really unique part of Mariners baseball, and uh, I, I hope it continues for many, 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 many years to come. And Felix, like Edgar, finishes his career in a, in a Mariners uniform because that is a, a very unique aspect of Mariners baseball. Kevin, one of the things that really kind of snuck up at me when I was looking at the promotions calendar was we're going to have the statue, and we're going to have that statue pretty quick. I'm talking about the junior statue. I cannot believe that it's almost finished and it will be installed soon. I know you can't tell us a lot, but what can you tell us right now? And then tell us one more thing about it. You bet. Well, we're we're going to have a, an awesome giveaway on uh, that first Friday night at the at the ballpark for forty five thousand fans. We're going to be giving replicas of the statue away. So if you're a collector or just a junior fan, um, this is a night you're you're going to want to uh, attend to get this really cool um, uh, collectible of the replica of the junior statue. It's going to be uh, right outside of home plate is where we will unveil the statue at Safeco Field. Um, And we're still working on the date. Um, To be honest, it will either be Thursday, um, uh, April 13th, or the morning of Friday, April 14th. We're working through some last-minute logistics there and, and working with Junior and his schedule. We'll have an announcement on that hopefully in the next uh, week or so and when the actual unveil will be. But we're really excited. We're working with the same sculptor who did such a wonderful job with the Dave Niehaus yeah. uh, statue that uh, is out in right field at Safeco Field. And uh, Junior will be right out front our, our, our front door, if you will, <laughs> at Safeco Field, right outside the oh. home plate gate greeting uh, fans for many, many generations to come. And uh, I think it's appropriate that he's right there at the at the doorstep of Safeco Field. Oh, my goodness. I love it. What a way to come into Safeco Field and seeing Junior's statue coming up in April. And nobody does it better than you, buddy, you and your entire crew. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, great promotions, uh, great events. And uh, fans, you don't want to miss uh, the 2017 season. Come on by. Get yourself a season ticket as well to really yeah, enjoy a- everything. It's going to be it's going to be a blast, and 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 because this is my probably my final hot stove appearance, Rick, I wanted to just give a tip of the cap to a guy who's been there uh, and is part of this organization for 35 years, and this is his final year. But you know, for years we hear his name every broadcast. Producer engineer Kevin Kremen, and uh, Kevin embodies the whole spirit of our front office. Um, <laughs> goes above and beyond, and he's he he's. He doesn't get a lot of the glory. He's not, you know, on the air. But, man, without him, these broadcasts don't sound nearly as good and aren't as complete as they are. And it's been one of my favorite things of my Mariner career over 25 years has been able to work with Kevin. And uh, this is going to be a a fun year. And he's going to be part of this 40th anniversary celebration (laughs) as well, darn it. Where where does uh, this statue go? (laughs) There's not one. (laughs) In the Diamond Club. Thanks, Kev. That was very nice. Appreciate that. Yeah, no, he's the best. And and, and there isn't a better uh, segment on uh, Mariners Magazine than Road Eats. How, how good is that, Kevin? Right. So, 
But, Kevin, thank you so much for being on the program tonight. We appreciate it, buddy. Looking forward to uh, 2017 and all that you and your folks who work for you uh, have to offer the fans when they come out to Safeco Field. Thanks so much, Kevin. You bet. Thanks for having me. Kevin Martinez, Mariners Vice President of Marketing. We'll be back with uh, Jim Capel from ESPN.com talking all things baseball. And, of course, we'll talk Edgar Martinez and the Mariners as well. Back with Jim Capel on Hot Stove right after this. Hey, everybody, take advantage of the Safeco Field Suite Special going on right now. When you pay in full for two or more suites, you're going to receive a free private suite for select games in April and May. Your clients will enjoy a great space to catch the game. You're going to enjoy the savings you'll secure with a special offer. For more information, log on to Mariners.com slash premium. Hot Stove continues. Rick Riz along with Shannon Dreyer and Dave Valley, producer-engineer Kevin Kremen and Matty Harden, visiting now with uh, one of the outstanding writers who has covered the game of baseball for many, many years, grew up here in the state of Washington, the pride of Longview, Washington, went to the University of Washington and wrote for many years here, moved on to the Midwest. Jim Capel, now with ESPN.com. Did I miss any any stops there? I'm sure he did, Jimmy. <laughs> now you you got it right, yes. Uh, Longview, well, UW, back in Seattle. Okay. <laughs> Pride of Longview, along with uh, Buddy Black and Rick Sweet. Got some guys coming out. Oh, definitely. Out we, we, we've produced some players. Yeah. Jim, uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, as far as a writer, what's the offseason like? I mean, this is busy. This is your season of seasons, you know, with all the trades and free agents and all the baseball news going on as, as clubs get ready. What What's your winter been like uh, covering baseball? Well, I haven't been writing too much. They don't have me writing too much about baseball these days in the winter, uh, but God, it, it really is not an off season for for most of the writers. They are as I would say even busier during the off season than they are during the season. There's just everybody's got to have every rumor's got to be printed. It's got to be tweeted. It's got to be out there, and it just never ends. And uh, I I really feel for them. I I don't know if I could do it. Jim, it was um turn the topic to Edgar here a little bit. I, I know you've seen him play quite a bit. And one of the things that I was very encouraged in the balloting that we saw for Hall of Fame this year was there was a considerable jump of ESPN.com writers who voted for him this year. Um, some outlets, uh, you don't see that, but I, I think there were five more this year. I believe it was 15 out of 17 that voted for him. What, what's kind of the... the tide that's turning what do you see right now and that's kind of going in his favor and kind of capturing the attention of some people who who didn't vote for him before perhaps put up the argument that it was a dh and that wasn't a position that should be in well i've always thought that the, the dh and i've always voted for Edgar. i think he belongs in the hall of fame uh that the dh is certainly much more uh, part of the game and much more valuable than, than a closer uh who only pitches one inning with a lead uh you know, every two or three, you know, two days and takes a day off. Meanwhile, the DH is out there every day, and he is helping the team, and he's helping them get a lead. Uh, and I think uh, some people who were sort of anti-DH are now more, oh, yeah, I guess the DH is pretty valuable. And, you know, Edgar did jump more percentage points than anybody else did this year in the in the voting. And uh, he's the problem is he's only got two more years left on the ballot. And it's going to be really close as to whether he makes it or not. I hope he does, but boy, it is just so close. I, I he's still got a ways to go, uh, and it's going to be difficult. But I hope he is. How much has the the sabermetric world helped out Edgar once 
a lot of these writers who maybe haven't really get a chance to see him play down through the years to take a look at those numbers. I mean, we go over the numbers quite a bit, and we have. How much has that has helped uh, Edgar? Because he's put up. Yeah, I mean, when numbers. you look at uh, his numbers, it's just even if you're not even to the, the sabermetrics, just look at the, the, the baseline. You know, just the, the batting average, the on-base percentage, uh, the runs produced, uh, and then when you look at the, at the WAR and, and, and all those other numbers, it, it makes it clear just how good a hitter he was. I, I remember when I was uh, covering the, the '95 series, and I called up Tom Kelly, who was the manager of the Twins at the time, and I said, "What do you think of?" Uh, Edgar, and he was just saying, oh, I would never pitch to Edgar if I didn't have to. I, he's the best hitter in baseball. And this is a guy who really rarely would compliment anybody else on another team. Uh, and Edgar, in addition to what he did at the plate, he's now doing it as the batting coach. I think he's, he's been extraordinarily valuable, uh, and he still is, and he never, never left the team. Uh, and I think he might have had a better success had – the Mariners realized how good he was early on and brought him up earlier when they should have. But uh, he is – you look at the numbers, and there's just no doubt he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Jim, so you, uh, you've been voting for quite a while now, and I know there's going to be a change next year where everybody needs to reveal their voting. H- how do you feel about that, and is there anything about the voting that you would like to see changed? The, the – uh, I'm – I'm not in favor of that everybody's vote gets revealed. Uh, all my votes are always revealed by ESPN, so it's not a big deal to me. Uh, but I think there's going to be some people who aren't going to like it. On the other hand, uh, there is a belief that because your vote is going to be revealed, that you may start voting for some extra people. So that might help some players. Hopefully it will help Edgar. My main gripe with the voting process is that we are only allowed to vote for 10 players, which I think is just completely insane. It's wrong. Uh, you should be allowed to vote for whoever you think belongs in the Hall of Fame. And if nobody else agrees with you or if 75% of the other voters don't agree with you, the guy's not going to get in the Hall of Fame anyway. Right. You should be allowed to vote for who you think belongs in. And when you have a limit of 10, it just hurts players who deserve to be in. I agree with you. Visiting with Jim Capel from ESPN.com. And we're going to be back with Jim here on Hot Stove right after this. Visiting with uh, writer Jim Capel from ESPN.com. And, Jim, the whole baseball world gets together every four years. This year, the World Baseball Classic is coming up. What an event uh, to see all the players going to their respective countries, representing their respective countries. So much fun. The excitement in the stands, and it's really uh, been great for baseball globally. What's it like to cover the World Baseball Classic? Oh, I just absolutely love it. Uh... You get to see uh, these players from all over the world. You know, a lot of them are in, are in the major leagues anyway, but you get to see players who aren't, and you get to see the game glow, growing in other countries. And I think that's a great thing, and I really wish that there were some American players who would take it a little bit more seriously. I, I understand that they're like, oh, we've got to get ready for the season, and that's the priority, and, I under, and, that's, and they're right in a lot of ways. But, you know, playing in the World Baseball Classic, it's – it's pretty exciting. It's uh, it's a little bit like the Olympics, and uh, it's. And I think this year is going to be really good. I mean, it's really interesting. They've got uh, two rounds are going to be in, in uh, Japan, and hopefully uh, Japan will advance because uh, I think they've got perhaps the best player in the world in uh, Shohei Otani, who not only can pitch, he can hit, and 
he's basically the only guy who's done this since Babe Ruth. And if he can get into the finals, then American can see him. And then I'm pretty sure he's going to sign with somebody uh, after this season. Jim, what's been your most memorable international baseball experience? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, I covered games in, uh, in, in Cuba and uh, Greece, Australia, Japan, uh, and also Germany and Regensburg. Uh, and that's where I first met Max Kepler who I think is one of the more interesting players you're ever going to see in baseball. He is from Berlin, and he's a great player. He's got a great uh, great swing, plays with the Twins. But the most interesting part about him is his parents are both ballet dancers, and they, uh, they met while dancing in Berlin. And, uh, I mean, how, how many players can you say about that in baseball, that they're the son of ballet dancers? One. Uh, they one, Max Kepler. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. Uh, just covering, uh, watching uh, uh, when the American when the, the major leaguers go over to Japan and play there. Sometimes in, in the in the off season is pretty exciting. And the thing it it just shows you just how popular this game is in so many countries. And uh, I, it's it, Australia, Taiwan, and there's there's players coming up now in China. And uh, I think they're, they're, they're going to get better, and eventually we're going to see a player from mainland China in the major leagues. And uh, I don't think people realize just how popular baseball really is globally, and it really is a fantastic game, and, and the World Baseball Classic only helps it. Yeah, I went to a game uh, down in Arizona during the spring at uh, Chase Field, and Mexico was playing, I think, maybe Puerto Rico, and the, the excitement in the crowd was just uh, you know phenomenal. Everybody really got into it. And made a lot of noise. So, yeah, yeah. I remember. I just uh, getting back to Shannon's question. I uh, I remember seeing uh, Yu Darvish pitch in uh, in Sapporo, Japan, when he was uh, pitching there, and uh, just seeing wow, and then the enthusiasm for him, and just how good he was, uh, and getting to see all the other players there, and then going to the Ichiro Museum, which is just incredible with the things that are in that museum that his father has saved during his childhood. He's got, uh, you know, there's a desk with him with a mannequin that looks like Ichiro working on his homework and with an abacus there. And there's just all these things, including all his driver's license tests. Uh, it, it really is amazing. And, uh, and then they have, they have museums for him. They have a museum for uh, – uh, for other players as well, it's 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 a pretty pretty amazing thing. They really really love baseball in Japan. Jim, you're talking about the American team. Uh, it seems as this may be their strongest team that they've ever put out there in the World Baseball Classic. What do you think? Uh, I'm not sure yet. It's it's hard to tell. I mean, we're not going to really know till uh, the sixth, I think, is when they announce all the all the rosters. Uh, I, I think they've got some some good players, uh, but. Uh, you know, and McCutcheon's a great player. Uh, that's good to see him on there. I just wish that Mike Trout was on the team. Uh, you know, I like Trout. I think he's the best player in, in, uh, in the major leagues. I would like to see him uh, just play for the, for the American team in the World Baseball Classic. I, I, I would like to see the U.S. Uh, get to the finals this year and win. But uh, we will see. You, just never, you never know in any sport, and you certainly don't know in baseball who's going to win. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Visiting with Jim Capel from ESPN.com. Jim, in, in your career, you've been around uh, the game, writing and covering the game of baseball for a long time. I called you 
uh, some years ago, the modern-day George Plimpton, because ESPN had you doing some <laughs> fun, wacky things uh, facing R.A. Dickey. What sort of things uh, did they have you do? And what what's one stands out? Oh, there's just too many. It, it, it just related to baseball or anything. Yeah, any let's start with baseball. Okay, well, like catching R.A. Dickey was 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 amazing. I mean, he was still he was still working on his his, uh, his knuckleball, and he was still coming up, and he was he was with the the Mariners at the time, and uh, getting to know him, he's a great great person, and that was you know trying to catch that knuckleball <laughs> was was were, not were you easy. able to do it? I was I was not say I, I was probably not as good as you Val, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was able to catch some of them. Hey, I was that's there. a rough I day. The, that's a rough day at the office having to catch a knuckleball. Let me tell you. There was a lot of the yeah, glove over here and the glove over there. <laughs> yeah, let me see. I went back. I went to the to the back to the screen several times. Uh, that Buker. was fun. Uh, I batted against Matt Thornton, uh, and at least uh, I didn't strike out on three pitches. It took him four, but. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, that was, <laughs> which was scarier, was catching fun. the knuckleball or facing Thornton, and how hard was Thornton? Well, I was wearing a, I was wearing a cup when I was catching the knuckleball. So, smart um, move, good. smart move. <laughs> Never um, leave home without it. And uh, I talked with, with Thornton afterwards. He was saying that he was kind of nervous because he didn't want to throw anything that might hit me, or he didn't want to just, you know, he 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 wasn't sure if he wanted to throw it as hard as he possibly could. Uh, but then his first pitch was a ball, and then he said, "Oh well, I got to strike this guy out." So then he bared down and just whipped me pretty good. Uh, that, that, that Any contact? Great. Did uh, you make contact? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> I don't think I even came close. Did you face Bert Blylevin? Uh, no, but Bert Blylevin, oh, yes, I did. I did yeah. in, uh, in a, after his career was over, in a, uh, uh, a, a league where, or a camp where people come in, you know. Oh, fantasy fans, camp. You know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and fans come in and play. And uh, he, uh, I went up to the to plate, and this was before he had been elected to the Hall of Fame. And as I stepped into the box, I looked at him on the mound, and I said, you know I have a vote in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and then the very next pitch he threw, and he hit me uh, in the lower back. <laughs> and oh, I said, I, love it. I, I vote for you. Don't get me wrong. I vote for you. And then I, I chased him out on the mound, and uh, he grabbed me and threw me to the ground. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there's he video of that somewhere. Bert's a big boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and when I was uh, when he was still pitching in my first year covering the game, uh, he uh, he set my uh, my shoelaces on fire. In, uh, <laughs> I don't know why we're laughing, but it's. Uh, I tell you what, you have done a lot of fun things in the game. You've been one of the outstanding writers covering the game of baseball, Jim Capel, and uh, the pride of Longview, Washington, along with Buddy Black and Rick Sweet and others who have come up from that area. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight, and hopefully we'll see a bunch of you this year and at spring training. What are your plans going down to Arizona? Uh, I'll be covering the uh, uh, a lot of the World Baseball Classic and then hoping to get into uh, get over to the Cactus League uh, probably right. towards the end of March. But uh, uh, definitely, yeah, I want to, want to meet with you guys. All right, we'll see you there. Jim, thanks a lot for coming by tonight. Thanks for having me. Jim Campbell from ESPN.com, and we'll be back to wind down the second hour of Hot Stove from our ESPN studios here in Seattle after this timeout. Well, the time is now to join the club as a Mariners season ticket holder. Lock in the best seats at the best prices to catch all the action at Safeco Field here in 2017. And I'm telling you, folks, it's going to be an exciting season. You don't want to miss any of the action. For more information on the many benefits you're going to enjoy as a season ticket holder, log on to Mariners.com 
slash 17. Rick Rea, Shannon Dreyer, Dave Valley, producer engineer Kevin Krem and Matty Harden winding down the second and final hour of the hot stove. We've got about four minutes left here. Our guest, Mike Zunino, was our first guest tonight in the first hour. Great to see well, this young man come back. And I think, you know, he's going to put together a heck of a year after what he went through last year. I think he's going to play a really important role in this ball club and this, their success this year because if he can regain some of the confidence that we saw from him a few years ago where he hit over 20 home runs, if he could add that to this lineup offensively, he doesn't have to hit 300. I mean, yeah. if he, he can hit 240, 250, driving some runs at the bottom part of that order, uh, and continue to do the quality job that he does behind the plate, he'll have a huge impact on this ball club. Shannon, we also had a chance to visit with Andy McKay, who is our farm director, and we saw a lot of young kids come up and really help out uh, the Mariners. Uh, how many players did they go through last year? 51 players on the roster, uh, 13 right. starting pitchers. But we saw kids pitchers. like Sean O'Malley. Well, Sean's been around for a while, great kid. Uh, but uh, Mike Freeman and Ben Gamble coming over. And uh, Dan Vogelback, Dan Diaz, Altavilla. I mean, uh, the kids coming through really helped out last year, especially in that late run with the eight-game winning streak that put the Mariners into a playoff hunt. Well, and that's the goal. And uh, Annie McKay at the spring training, pre-spring training media luncheon said, you know what, it's great to win these games and win championships in the minor league levels, but that's not the goal. The goal is to provide players uh, with ability and provide depth and flexibility to the big league club, and they were able to do that in the first year. I think you're only going to see more as they have a little bit more time to get these systems in place. And, yeah. you know, very interesting to hear what they were able to kind of get down in the first year. It's it's three, four-year process to kind of set that culture and set those systems, and he's got year two all planned out and ready to go. And uh, Dave Valley, can't wait for August the 12th when Edgar Martinez is number 11, is going to be retired. Uh, he wore number 10. He wore number 11. And it's going to be a, a great weekend, not only just that Saturday, but Friday and Sunday as well. And can't wait to see Poppy uh, have that uh, tremendous night coming up. Well, we saw how special it was when Junior had his weekend, and uh, I don't think this will be any less special when uh, Edgar's number is retired out there on August 12th. I know I will be in the crowd somewhere, yeah, whether I'm yeah. working it or – just being there to support my buddy, uh, my buddy and my pal, yeah. mi amigo y mi hermano, Edgar oh, Martinez. Oh, man, he was something. 2004, his final year in the big leagues. It's so nice to see that number 11 still in the dugout, you know, as the hitting coach for this ball club. And on the marketing side, we had Kevin Martinez on tonight. And, Shannon, it doesn't get better than what this guy does for the organization and his crew, everybody, you know, that works with Kevin to make it such a fun experience to come out to Safeco Field. Absolutely, and it's going to be a big year. Some things that I didn't know. I didn't know they were going to have the 40th anniversary logo on the baseballs. So, you know, everybody go practice mm-hmm. catching your fly balls because those are going to be collectible exactly. to get a home run or a foul ball at the ballpark. The the Griffey statue is coming up very quickly. We'll see that in, in mid-April, which is very exciting, plus everything else they do at the ballpark. That's right. I can't wait to see the statue. I, I'm hoping it's that swing, that iconic swing that Junior had, Val. Oh, it's got to That follow-through. Like the swoosh. Oh, man, that, that's going to be fun. And there will be the little details, too. Same guy that did the Niehaus statue, you know, the scorebook and how detailed yeah. that was. There will yeah. be little things on the Griffey statue, too, that I've been told. And when you go out to see Dave's statue out there in right center field on the concourse, look on that book. It's game five of the American League Division Series against the Yankees. Edgar hit the double, and he wrote, Unbelievable. And you could read it in that scorebook. That's something. Our thanks to everybody that made the show possible tonight. Mariners producer-engineer Kevin Kremen, Matty Harden on all the buttons there inside the control room. Shannon Dreyer, 
Dave Valley. I'm Rick Riz saying so long, everybody, until next week, same time, right here from our ESPN studios. Hot Stove Baseball from Seattle. Can't wait for spring training 2017 coming up in just a couple of weeks. Can it, Matt? See you later! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.